Welcome to a New Testament journey. We'll have our Bible reading followed by our devotional. Acts 12 It was about this time that King Herod arrested some who belonged to the church, intending to persecute them. He had James, the brother of John, put to death with the sword. When he saw that this met with approval among the Jews, he proceeded to seize Peter also. This happened during the Feast of Unleavened Bread. After arresting him, he put him in prison, handing him over to be guarded by four squads of four soldiers each. Herod intended to bring him out for public trial after the Passover. So Peter was kept in prison, but the church was earnestly praying to God for him. The night before Herod was to bring him to trial, Peter was sleeping between two soldiers, bound with two chains, and sentries stood guard at the entrance. Suddenly an angel of the Lord appeared and a light shone in the cell. He struck Peter on the side and woke him up. Quick, get up, he said, and the chains fell off Peter's wrists. Then the angel said to him, Put on your clothes and sandals, and Peter did so. Wrap your cloak around you and follow me, the angel told him. Peter followed him out of the prison, but he had no idea that what the angel was doing was really happening. He thought that he was seeing a vision. They passed the first and second guards and came to the iron gate leading to the city. It opened for them by itself, and they went through it. When they had walked the length of one street, suddenly the angel left him. Then Peter came to himself and said, Now I know without a doubt that the Lord has sent his angel and rescued me from Herod's clutches and from everything the Jewish people were hoping would happen. When this had dawned on him, he went to the house of Mary, the mother of John, also called Mark, where many people had gathered and were praying. Peter knocked at the entrance and a servant named Rhoda came to answer the door. When she recognised Peter's voice, she was so overjoyed that she ran back without opening it and exclaimed, Peter is at the door. You're out of your mind, they told her. When she kept insisting that it was so, they said, it must be his angel. But Peter kept on knocking, and when they opened the door and saw him, they were astonished. Peter motioned with his hand for them to be quiet, and described how the Lord had brought him out of prison. Tell James and the other brothers and sisters about this, he said, and then he left for another place. In the morning, there was no small commotion among the soldiers as to what had become of Peter. After Herod had a thorough search made for him and did not find him, he cross-examined the guards and ordered that they be executed. Then Herod went from Judea to Caesarea and stayed there. He had been quarrelling with the people of Tyre and Sidon, and now they joined together and sought an audience with him. Having secured the support of Blastus, a trusted personal servant of the king, they asked for peace, because they depended on the king's country for their food supply. On the appointed day, Herod, wearing his royal robes, sat on his throne and delivered a public address to the people. They shouted, This is the voice of a god, not of a mere mortal. Immediately, because Herod did not give praise to God, an angel of the Lord struck him down, and he was eaten by worms and died. But the word of God continued to increase and spread. When Barnabas and Saul had finished their mission, they returned from Jerusalem, taking with them John, also called Mark. This is where Luke's narrative of the early church starts to shift away from Peter and move towards Paul. Peter's final moment of glory is his almost total incomprehension about an angelic visitation and release from prison. Well, I guess our time with him finished more or less how it started. 
Of course, the fact that Luke moves over to focus on Paul doesn't mean God stops doing crazy stuff through Peter or indeed any of the other apostles. I'd so much love to know what Peter did after this escape or to have any details at all about how Jesus used Thaddeus and Nathaniel and Mary Magdalene. Oh, well, I'll find out in the coming age. What we do have in this chapter is a clue that the church in Jerusalem began to feel the pressure of persecution as Herod tried to assert his kingship over Christ's. There is huge help here to understand what God does when his bride is being bullied. The first thing is that God clearly doesn't stop the persecution. James, one of the three, is executed and the church has to go into hiding. In his wisdom and sovereignty, God allows major loss. But God isn't absent either. Like a family of meerkats, his angels are always around and we occasionally see them popping into view to help a brother or slay a foe. And like those meerkats, below the surface, the work of God is energetic and is expanding as the word does its work. One of the most remarkable things in this time is how the persecuted church willingly gave away Barnabas and Saul and the John we call Mark. What a beautiful thing to be so devoted to Jesus's cause that you'll give away such giants in the faith, even while you're still scared and in mourning over the loss of your leader, James. That, in fact, seems to have been the defining feature of the Spirit-filled church. They continued in wonder-filled worship and mission, even while being whipped, whacked or wounded by the world. That inspires me. Does it you? Wouldn't it be amazing if we also could so abound in sacrificial generosity, even when hard-pressed or bruised by assaults on every side? Question for reflection. In your hardest moments, God is working powerfully. How could you spot his hand more easily? We pray God's word bears fruit in your life. For all the information about the New Testament journey, head to www.anewtestamentjourney.net.